to Welcome to Sports and Truck, everybody, on this beautiful Monday afternoon from Freight Alley, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm Michael Vincent, the dude, and he is Dooner. Dooner, my man, what's up, brother? What's up, dude? It's uh, it's Truck Driver Appreciation Week. I know you and I got to share the microphone on the radio, dive into that a little bit over the weekend, but we'll get into it today. And we're going to play that uh, wonderful answer that that Ingrid Brown had. I think she summed it up better than we could. We'll get to that in, uh, in big deal, little deal. It's also, you know, football's back. Everything's back to normal, sort of, right? I mean, it looked a little weird yeah. in the stands. <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, back to normal. Uh, what else? But you know what? We, we do have to mention something. This uh, weather events getting a little bit more serious so tell me what's on the radar right now yeah really it is so tropical storm sally right is at 65 miles an hour right now and it's the 18th named storm of of this uh season so far we're right in the peak season right now so uh it could soon become as expected today become the uh, sixth hurricane of the season and just prior to landfall obviously in the central uh gulf coast there uh, and in response to this, the U.S. Coast Guard has uh, set some restrictions on vessel movement and cargo operations at Gulf ports like uh, Mobile, Alabama sector and the New Orleans sector. And, uh, you know, it's it's tropical storm Sally's expected to become a hurricane today and hit the southeast coast of Louisiana as a category one uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, and we're talking three weeks from when Hurricane Laura hit near the same area, just to the west of this area, actually. So uh, not a good uh, not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, you know, the, 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 the past hurricane, you know, it's funny. We were talking about when we did the hurricane coverage about uh, how these things happen. They move out of the news cycle and then there's still a lot of relief ne- left that has to happen. I noticed during the NFL games, actually, they had one of those text numbers up to to raise money for Laura. So let's not forget about the people there, especially with this storm that's coming in. Also, we have the comment section open in right now on LinkedIn. Uh, hello, everybody. Happy National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. We also have a great global trade tech preview today, but the National Hurricane Center is issued a hurricane warning for Morgan City, Louisiana, to Mississippi-Alabama border, as well as Lake Pontchartrain. I probably messed that up. Lake uh, Marupis and the New Orleans <laughs> metropolitan area. Uh, you'll have to take my word for it. As we discussed on our previous hurricane shows, if it's the storm surge you really got to worry about. So, you know, be mindful of that. Stay tuned to FreightWaves.com for any reports, developments there. And, of course, that critical event center in Sonar. Yeah, absolutely. Keep watching that stuff there. And it's the rainfall, Dooner. I mean, 12 to 18 inches that they're calling for. It's uh, And it's Pontchartrain. Yeah, Lake yeah. Pontchartrain. Thanks. So. Thanks for getting my back there. I, I, I should stick to the non-pronunciations. You, I'll stick to the non-pronunciations. Hey, let's tip the band. <laughs> September September is Pro Driver Appreciation Month, not week, month. And Pilot Flying J is celebrating with a free drink in the app. It's a different deal every day. So log in. See what's new. See PilotFlyingJ.com for terms and conditions. Cash is here. She said, good morning. It's going to be a great Monday. Heather Martin says, good morning. Boosie says, what's up, Dooner and the Dude? Monica Jansen's here. Shout out to Lloyd Tubbs. I hope Lloyd comes. And Dave Abel says, best day of the year. 2020 set the standard for industry and our drivers to the task. Yes, Dave. Wayne Craig called in at the end of a Sirius XM show last week to tell us a little bit about what Pan was doing. Sounds, uh, sounds good. Michael Vincent wants to win those beats by Drake so we can be cool. With the kids. All right, headlines, man. <laughs> you think it'll help me, man? I don't know. Uh, I think I'll be on the Boom. All right. 
So this is the news we were waiting for, right? So we covered this last week, this whole Nikola story. It was a wild week for, for Nikola. GM deal comes through, giving stock to the employees, short seller report by Hindenburg Research Group, right? Uh, Trevor Milton goes on a tweet. He was supposed to actually be on this show. He had to cancel to come up with a rebuttal. I, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but probably lawyers had to, had to help craft this thing. He initially promised it was going to come out Friday morning before the opening of trade. It took, uh, you know, an extra business day. It's Monday. Here's what they said. Let's go through a couple of the the main contentions in this one in their rebuttal. The first one is they're talking about that short seller. They say here, short seller distorts Nikola 1 2017 third party future of transportation promotional video. That was that Nikola in motion video. And what Nikola is saying here is that uh, Nikola described the third party video of the company's on the company's social media as in motion. It never described it as under its own propulsion or powertrain driven. Nikola investors who invested during this period in which the company provided knew the technical capability of the Nikola One. Now, you and I discussed this a little bit, and we talked about how in auto commercial, a lot of them have disclaimers saying done on a simulated road, right, done under closed conditions. I just rewatched that Nikola video. There's no such disclaimer. It does say it's in motion, and I guess technically it's true, but I don't know if that answer is necessarily going to satisfy Everyone, there was the big Nikola challenge over the weekend where people were driving to that same spot in Utah and putting their car in neutral and seeing how fast it could go down the hill. Well, I guess uh, the cat's out of the bag. It did roll down the hill, this would seem to imply, but they're saying it was in motion. Yeah, it, it was in motion, and they're saying, you know, that the Nikola one is actually a real truck, and it sits in the Nikola's showroom, and, you know, a pusher means that it was not designed to be moved by its own propulsion system. He says the Nikola one was, in fact, designed to be powered and driven by its own propulsion. Uh, this is a, th- that's so, a, I mean, Michael, it, this is, it was Michael, motion, Dooner. Michael, this is a different vehicle that they're talking about on that second contention that they're talking about, uh, the truck that was at Nikola oh. world on the stage that may have been, or may not have been plugged in. He had said, Trevor gotcha. Milton had famously said during that, this is not a pusher. Well, they're, they're clarifying there what they meant by a, uh, a pusher. They're saying pusher has a much, uh, I guess a much stronger term. And then they were going with the, the light. There's a, lot, there's a little bit of equivocation going on maybe in some of this wording. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I didn't realize that they were two different trucks. I'm sorry about that. Confused by the facts there a little bit, which is easy to do reading these back and forths going back. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, Nikola One is a real uh, truck that is designed to be powered by its own uh, propulsion system is what they're saying. And, it, and, it, and it's there. So, yeah. But I, I agree with you. There's a little bit of uh, technically it was in motion. The truck was in motion, not driving under its own uh, power. So. And technically, the term pusher, they're saying there means more than uh, just a a truck that you pushed on stage. I don't know. That's that. That's that's the point that they're making. The third one, I, my call out was, and we talked to the, to Alan about this one was the promise of the battery technology, the revolutionary battery technology that they uh, that seemingly they were going to be getting through Zapco through a Zapco deal. This is called out in the short sellers report, which again we remind you, this is by short sellers. They want the stock to go down. So the whole thing here is we're just discussing the rebuttal and what that means for it. But in this, now they say the uh, the technology we're talking. About did not have to do with Zapgo. It's actually the company's excited about potential breakthroughs that are going to happen with a uh, confidential agreement they have with a university, with an academic, a leading academic institution, but that information is not available what institution that may be. Uh, right now, it's not satisfying the market. Their stock is uh, is continuing its downward trend. But as we also discussed, these are things that were probably going to come out anyway. And, uh, you know, this is the time they got to, I guess, clear the air. And what really matters is moving forward and what kind of progress they can make from here. 
Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, they, they there's some things there, you know, technically in motion and stuff like that, using words that mean this and technically this did happen, et cetera. But, I mean, companies and startups like Nikola, they pivot and they change, and there's always questions that you can dig into as well. I don't know all the answers to this, but uh, you're, you're exactly right. Where do they go from here is, is really going to be the proof in the pudding, so to speak. Yeah, Amazon knows where they're going, though. They're going to hire a 1,000 logistics fulfillment workers. Another space we've covered deeply. We're talking about this holiday season, talking about needing a lot of workers. Well, Mark Solomon reports Amazon.com said Monday it's going to hire 100,000 full and part-time logistics fulfillment workers in North America as it it continues to manage sizable delivery growth and gears up for what is expected to be an unprecedented peak holiday shipping season. And I think it's going to be even bigger than people are thinking because we've been looking at some of these metrics of people who had previously not been long-time or habitual online shoppers. And a lot of that buying behavior has changed. So I think we're going to, you know, parcel carriers are going to be in for it this coming season. Warehouses are going to be in for it this coming season. So uh, Amazon's going to need the workers, but it might cost them, right? Yeah, it, 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 it certainly could cost them. The minimum wage up to $15 an hour and some markets companies offering up to $1,000 sign-on bonuses. I mean, we've been seeing this, that, that you know, $20 a, a, an hour in a warehouse People don't want to go and work in our warehouse. They're they're a little bit afraid of the COVID outbreak, et cetera. But Amazon said it'll open 100 buildings this month across its fulfillment, uh, sortation, and delivery network. 100 buildings this month. Executives said on the company's last earnings call that it will uh, increase capacity by 50 by 50 percent by the start of the peak season. So effectively manage the to effectively manage the demand spikes, which uh, we're looking at as well. So far this year, Amazon has opened more than 75 fulfillment sortation centers. Centers, regional air hubs and delivery stations in the U.S. and Canada, Duner. Yeah, and uh, you know, in Pro at the beginning of the year, Pro Logistics, a prominent warehouse staffing firm, and I believe we're going to be doing a warehouse virtual conference soon. Speaking of virtual events, they thought the average for warehouse workers this year, the holiday average, is going to be fifteen fifty, and again, it turns out it's going to be more in that nineteen twenty dollar range. So. Be prepared that for that if you are managing those type of hubs. It's going to cost you more. Factor that into what you're doing. Uh, one more story here. We don't really have time for it. I do implore you to go to FreightWaves.com, though. It's always great reporting by Clarissa Hawes. It's about a detective and a widow who described a trucker's murder as a senseless act. And what happened here is a trucker seemingly tried to stop to help some guy who was, uh, who seemed to be broke down on the side of the road. And it, it, it's it's. Yeah, actually, you have to read the story because multiple truckers stop. The guy gets shot. The wife, she finds out in such a heartbreaking way. Go to FreightWaves.com and check that one out. Right, Michael Vincent? Absolutely do it. It is a heartbreaking story, and I agree with her. It's a senseless act. It was. It was. Let's call up uh, Craig Lineauer. He's claim manager Inman Marine over at Travelers Insurance Group. We will see what uh, what he has going on. Please leave a message for... Oh, Craig Lineauer. After the tone, please record your message. When you finish recording, hang up or press the pound key for more options. Hey, Craig, it's Dooner and the Dude over on What the Truck. Dial me back at this number if you're getting this message right now. It's uh, your call time on the show. We'll uh, we'll hear from you if we do. Thanks, man. Take it easy. All right. Well, he didn't pick up the phone, so let's talk about this trucker story, Michael Vincent, because I yeah, thought it was it, I thought it was a good one. If he calls us back, we'll jump in with him. But here it is. Clarissa Haas reports investigators have a suspect in custody, but they say they're still searching for a motive in this senseless murder of a truck driver found shot to death near his rig on September 10th in Smith Valley, Nevada. That was a gentleman by the name of Zachary Sanchez, 36, of Silver Springs, Nevada. He was pronounced dead at the scene. And here's what happened. The alleged shooter, his name was Matthew Strain, 29, Sun Valley, Nevada. He's being held at the Lyon County Jail on no bail. He's charged with the open murder, battery with a deadly weapon, and attempted robbery with a deadly weapon as well. 
Yeah, so Strain was involved in a single vehicle accident near uh, Canal Road and Nevada State Route 338 in Smith Valley, Nevada. He then proceeded northbound on foot for nearly four to 500 yards before Strain encountered Sanchez, who hauled heavy equipment for a small trucking company, uh, Qualcomm Contractors Incorporated, in Minden, Nevada. It appears that Strain was attempting to steal Sanchez's rig, but his efforts failed when he was interrupted by a second trucker traveling southbound who also stopped to help. Patterson claims that the second trucker was either pulled was either pulled out of his cab or opened his door when Strain allegedly held him at gunpoint and began pistol whipping him before he was distracted by a third vehicle that arrived on the scene. Oh, you know what? Rhonda has uh, she just has a question here too. Before we move past it, she says, uh, "Didn't Amazon just lay off a bunch of folks last month or the month before?" Beautiful, interesting. Um, I'm not sure if they did that in the warehouses. They they may have been moving and some shuffling around. Uh, I don't know. I'm not prepared to speak on that one. I haven't. Uh, I haven't read. Do you Do you yeah. recall reading that, Michael Vincent? I, I I don't. I'd have to look that up. It sounds familiar. I'm not sure what that involved though. Okay, well, his widow, she seeks answers after her husband's murder, right? This was Stephanie Sanchez. She says she last spoke to her husband, Zachary, around 6 p.m. on September 10th when he was a little over two hours away from home. He was delivering a piece of heavy equipment in Bishop, California, a few hours earlier. When he didn't arrive home, more than three hours later, Sanchez said she started texting and calling Zach. Around 10 p.m., she and her 15-year-old daughter, Samantha, wow, they decided to go looking for him. They drove the same route he would have taken that night. I can only imagine. Uh, his widow encountered police who, she says, came back and told me that my husband was part of the shooting tonight and he was dead. I told them that my husband's a big guy, that most people are afraid of him, and that he was supposed to come straight home and he shouldn't have been out of his vehicle no modem has been established, Michael Vincent, but uh, investigators haven't been able to interview Strain, but he is in custody, and hopefully something comes of this. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. hopefully we find out what, it, what happened. I mean, it, it's completely senseless, and, and it's confusing. I mean, there were multiple trucks there, everything. Why was uh, he on the side of the road and Strain was able to get to him? We just don't know any of these answers right now. It's, it's a senseless, senseless act, and it's... Obviously, uh, she wants some answers. I can I can understand that completely. Um, no, here, here. To, to answer that that caller's question, though, that she's uh, exactly right. It, this was just a, in August thirteenth. Uh, this was the uh, drivers being laid off when in recent months because of company contracts with several small delivery oh. companies across the country. Remember that that story when they were yeah uh, yeah it was an efficiency thing. Yeah, that didn't have anything to do with the warehouse workers or something. That was that was right. the, the more the third party, the deliveries. If you remember, Amazon had started that program. Right. And was it BuzzFeed who about a year ago put out that report about um, some of the, the dangerous drivers? And ever since, Amazon has gotten a, a lot more strict with some of the requirements that they have of these companies. And in turn, Amazon has cut ties with with a number of these who, uh, who have sort of built businesses around being in network with Amazon. But of course, they couldn't hand, handle the on times that they needed. Michael Vincent, there was another story we talked about over the weekend. And I think that this is a this is a big one that deserves some traction, especially if you've dealt with Walmart before. But it's those OTIF times going up to 98 percent for deliveries during a. Uh, during this holiday season and moving forward, it's going to be a challenge for some shippers to meet. Have you worked with Walmart before in the past? I, I have worked with Walmart in the past and on the LTL side of things. And it was very difficult to manage because you had all these different uh, windows for delivery at that time. And you couldn't be early and you couldn't be late. It had to be right in that that 
window and I was managing trap trailers for specific delivery windows and trying to maximize that cube and get it over there. And you could get fined for uh, being early as, as uh, you know, as well as late. So it, it can be difficult to do that. And I think there's a 3% chargeback for missing these windows now in that 98% on time that they're talking about. Well, you know what? Uh, they're, they're saying try Craig one more time. Let's, let's dial him up. Let's see if, uh, Let's see if he, he pulls it up right now. But yeah, you know, Walmart, super tough when I was working on the... Yeah, he's not picking up. So on times, he's not... Uh, the on times there can be very difficult. I was working in a 4PL. We would have to deal with uh, with freight bill auditing, right? And a big thing that would come up would be those OTIF chargebacks out of Walmart. And I can tell you, man, they are costly and they get even more costly the more problematic your shipping can be. So if you don't have your, uh, your supply chain network in line with what Walmart's doing, it can be an expensive proposition to even be a customer of theirs. Yeah, it certainly can. And it's a difficult position to be in as a, as a carrier as well, because many times it's actually the shipper that delayed that and you didn't have enough time to get there. And those arguments ensue as to who owes this 3% and where the chargeback is going to go to. Uh, it can be very difficult and time consuming and, and very costly. And like you said, it can be difficult to be a customer at some times. Yeah. Yeah. What other advice, though, would you give to shippers who are moving into one of those situations where the where the increases in the the OTI, something like that, where the the stringency of the program is increased? How do you get around that? How do you make sure that your operations are in line and can work in that type of environment without getting hit with all those bills? Well, it's a difficult thing, Dooner, but I I mean, I don't know what these OTF, if they allow for acts of God for delay or what the what the fine print says, but you got to have those open uh, discussions with whatever carriers you may be using or if you're using a uh, an intermediary to supply that capacity is being upfront and honest right at the beginning. This is exactly what could happen. It's it it sounds a lot like uh, automotive, you know, where you could, uh, you know, there's heavy fines for shutting down a production line, uh, et cetera. So I, I just think vetting your carriers very, very uh, uh, diligently and having those open conversations and honest up front that this is Walmart and here's where here's where these things lie. What is my tender date for you to honor the fact that if this misses, you're eating the 3%, uh, those type of conversations, Duner, is, is where I would start for sure. You know, and it's National Truck Driver Appreciation Week, so don't yell at the drivers if they're showing up at Walmart. But also, if you're a driver, there's some good promotions going on right now. Pram, Pam Transport being one of them, right? Pam Transport, all active drivers will be entered into drawings for the following prizes. $500 gift cards, right? Beats by Dre Solo Pre Plus Wireless Head phones fire hd 10 tablet you got the toshiba 32 inch hd tv fire tv edition you got a jbl charger for wireless blue speaker you got that yeti hopper flipping cooler but it's not just them right schneider's recognizing professional drivers they've got ipads they've got heated lunch boxes they've got a uh, deluxe truck organizers uh bluetooth speakers super popular man bluetooth speakers are just flying off the shelves for drivers hope you guys out there win some of them Hey, I'll tell you what, if uh, if we can get everybody who wins all these prizes to call in, Dooner, we could have a driver appreciation party with all that with all that gear, bro. You know what? There's like some code of the road, though, because I always try to put out that question. What's the weirdest thing you've heard over the CB radio? And I mentioned again, because Average Express is also giving away CB radios. But I always ask the callers on Sirius X, and what's the weirdest thing that you've heard over the CB? And we asked Big Rig Barbie that, too. And she's like, I, I cannot disclose that information. give us the second weirdest thing then (laughs) what is the second weirdest what's the third all right let's call uh (laughs) hey let's call uh yo Emil. let's let's call him over at xbo we want to hear all about what's going on with xbo connect so we'll get our next guest on the line right now we'll dial him up hopefully he's doing good he is the vice president of freight brokerage and technology over at xbo 
Hello. Hello. Hey, you're on the air with Dooner and the Dude. Uh, Yo, Ev, thanks for joining us today on uh, on What the Truck. How are you, sir? I'm very good, and thanks for having me. You know, we are excited to have you, too. I was looking up your background on LinkedIn, and uh, you've touched a lot of big-name companies. You bring a lot of experience to XBO, right? You're going to tell us about XBO is leveraging technology in your brokerage business unit. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, because uh, like I said, if you go over to his LinkedIn, you're going to say, this guy's got, uh, this guy's got the, cr- the credentials. <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about technology and how it you know, can drive business growth. Uh, a few words about my background. Well, technology is my passion. I got my degree in computer science and immediately knew I found my field. Uh, through the years, I worked in companies like Microsoft, Amazon, and Uber on various technology products and disrupted industries as well. And what attracted me to XPO, in addition to the amazing people and talent we have here, was how the company focuses on finding innovative ways to leverage technology. Technology is part of our strategy here at XPO. In addition, it's we already know the transportation industry is ready to be disrupted. It needs some scalable and innovative digital transportation platform, which we are providing with XPO Connect. Well, Yoav, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the XPO Connect. And, and you have, a, obviously, Dooner was not incorrect. You have a, a quite a great technical background or tech background, I should say. But XPO Connect, you know, we had Lua Amo on uh, last month, and he also brought this up. Do you, do you mind sharing a bit more uh, about uh, XPO Connect? Oh, sure thing. So XPO Connect is our multimodal technology platform for shippers and carriers. It offers the system for shippers to get rates, create orders, and manage their shipments. We are receiving great feedback from our shippers on the product, and we are constantly adding functionality to address their evolving needs. One of the product updates we have added in the last year was the use of APIs. Now, for the non-tech audience, uh, API stands for Application Programming Interface. It allows systems to talk between themselves, uh, transfer data, and transact. Now, you may ask, why do we need uh, these APIs? Well, we realize that some shippers prefer to use their own systems, and they don't have the time to log into a separate website and get rates or manually create orders. Our API technology seamlessly and securely, of course, gives access to real-time rates, and these rates are pushed directly to the shipper's preferred platform. With, With API, we can still give shippers access the benefits of XPO Connect while leveraging their own systems. One of our early adopters of API was Kraft Heinz, and they have been really pleased with the added flexibility that the API platform brings them. For another customer, we saw double-digit growth in volume and revenue comparing to the same period in 2019. It's been great to watch the use of technology. You know, in the, just, just as a reference, in the last four months only, the volume of API quotes we are providing to our shippers has increased by an average of 80% month over month. Just as a quick follow-up question on that, why do you, why do you think that is? Is that due to the, the pandemic or, or what kind of trend line are you seeing that would drive that number? Well, that's actually a great question. And, and I think that the important thing is to understand that API actually gives the, the shipper the confidence that they are paying the right market rate. It's also, you know, helping them to adjust to volatile markets, as you mentioned, like during pandemic, or it, they could use it in as an alternative strategy during peak times. 
Wow. Wow. You know, yeah. can we take a step back? Can we take a step back, though? Just for, for those who are not familiar, you know, we've heard about APIs, we've heard about EDI, TMS, but it's a lot of acronyms. People can get a little bit confused. So uh, what makes API unique? What's the, what's the difference here? That's a great question. So all the items that you mentioned are important levers for automation for the shippers. We leverage EDI, TMS, and API for individual solution or integrated offerings with shippers. If a shipper wants to bring on-demand spot pricing directly into their system and their system is API capable, an API integration is the ideal fit for them. API uses live feed data to provide requested information like real-time rates for any requested lane. And note that many of our long-time shippers who are already integrated via EDI are adding our API integration for rating purposes. This like hybrid approach of combining API and EDI allows them to leverage the existing integration while also talking, taking advantage of new API capabilities. With these shippers through API receive a rate like they like and they want to place an order, they can use their existing EDI connection with XPO Connect. So as I mentioned earlier, an API gives them the confidence that they are paying market rates. That's a great explanation. I appreciate that very much, Yoav. So uh, what does a shipper need to do to plan if they want to connect via API? Is there a long process involved there? Well, first, I would like to call out that there is no cost to use our APIs. API is a free service offered to our customers to simplify the way they do business with XPO. It typically takes between, I would say, two to four weeks to set up and test the integration based on shippers' requirements and resources, of course. If a shipper is using subscription-based TMS system, an API integration may still be possible. We just need to work with their API provider to create a proper connection between the systems. We currently have such connection with OTM Cloud and more TMS integrations are on the way. Now, if a shipper wants to get visibility or real-time quotes, but does not have the technical resources available to integrate via API, XPO might be a better fit. XPO allows shippers to get quotes and create orders with no technical integration whatsoever. Wow. You know, it sounds like you've got a lot going on with technology. And the great thing about technology is uh, if it works well, you can scale it. So what's on the roadmap right now for uh, XPO? What are you doing with all this momentum? (laughs) <laughs> That's a great question. Well, we're working on additional API connectivity options to allow our shippers to retrieve their invoices and documents as well. We're also working on API SDK. SDK stands for Software Development Kit, which will allow customers to set up API connectivity in applications with minimal development efforts. There are just some of the ways that XPO Connect continues to evolve as a platform for shippers and carriers. One thing I love about XPO is that we are constantly involving our technology offering. And we love feedback from our shippers and carriers. And if people are interested, they can learn more uh, from our website at connect.xpo.com or specifically on our API offering at apisolution.xpo.com. Wow. I, I mean, that it sounds like you guys are onto some uh, some great things. Michael Vincent, we were doing that follow-up. It sounded like you, you might have had one thing to to add. Uh, no, I was I was talking about the uh, you know from the API and the EDI. It's 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 a great thing, and that what you mentioned there in the SDKs, the software development kit. 
uh, bringing that ease of connectivity and get, bringing that expertise for those that maybe have any difficult time with it is is brilliant in my opinion because it's ease of accepting. It's it's really astounding. Thank you, Yoav. Yeah, man. Yo, th- th- thank you so much for joining us today. Again, you can go to connect.xpo.com to learn more about uh, what him and the team are, are doing over there. What do you do with the rest of your day? <laughs> well, keep innovating and building more technology to serve our shippers and carriers. Wow, you were all machine. You were just you're just focused <laughs> and you're right back in the huddle. I love it, man. <laughs> uh, and Mary Ellen Mondi, she says uh, she says hi. She's in the comments here as well. So I, I believe you two may know each other. Thank you so much for your yep. time today. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. And I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. I'm glad you explained you, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you explained some of that stuff to me, you know, on the, the, the EDI end, because I've never actually done the connectivity stuff. I've, I've heard all about it, but I've not been involved in the, in the full technical side. So, you know, a, uh, an average Joe like me, I need that. I need that background insight. Yeah, absolutely. I know enough about them to be uh, to be dangerous, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's about it. I know that API is more about the the seamless integration and less about the uh, push pull aspects that you have with with EDI, et cetera. You've got to push or you've got to go out and pull at specific times and and make those efforts. And API is more of a seamless streaming of of uh, uh, of data. Uh, but beyond that, I'm lost. Our I can bu- spell them. Our buddy Wayne Craig, he's in the comments, he says, hey guys, from Austin, Texas. He called in on the radio too to talk about what Truck Driver Appreciation Week meant to him. And, uh, you know, for, for me, one of the things we keyed in on was uh, Dave Abels, who's in the comments. They did that ride along. Remember, we followed their journey during the week they were doing it. We yeah. got them at the start. We got them at the end. And uh, that topic came up about the length, right? The length of Truck Driver Appreciation, what it means, what we should actually be doing with it. And, uh, you know, I think that, w- that was a Truck Driver Appreciation Week for Wayne, just having that ride along with a leader like that to see the challenges during the middle of a pandemic that a driver is facing. I thought it was a really cool move by Pam. Oh, it's a very cool move. And and a follow-up from, from Dave was astounding. You know, if you remember, he was talking to some of the drivers about the difficulties. I forget what the, uh, I think it was at a Target or, or something similar to that, the difficulties. And he had planned to have all his executives go out on a rotating basis and ride with other drivers after he went out on his second trip. So that's, that's leadership for you. Get down there and find out what these issues are so you can solve it for your, for your, uh, for your, for your employees and for your drivers in this case. Great stuff. Now, you remember our friend Pierre Laguerre? He was on uh, our Driving Diversity special. He's now been on some of our virtual events. He's been on What the Truck? Well, he emailed me a couple weeks ago and he said, I want to introduce you to this gentleman named Adam Wingfield. He's Managing Director at Innovative Logistics Groups. So we're going to dial him up now and see what uh, he's doing to not just drive diversity, but to educate the industry. He could have been on our Back to Trucking School episode, Thank Michael you for Vincent. Calling Innovative Logistics oh, Group, here we go. your premier logistics yes. consulting and dispatch firm. Excellent. If you know your party's extension, I do. please Enter it now okay. or press eight for the name directory. Followed by the pound for dispatch sign? operations. Press- let's see. All right, let's get through here. Please hold while your call is transferred to Adam. All right. To go directly uh, to voicemail, oh, press star. What? We don't want to go directly to voicemail. Ah, what is this? The love boat. It's just shiny and new. Oh, sorry. I was getting into your hold music, Adam. <laughs> we were, we were, we thought we were playing it forward. On? Michael Vincent, I thought we were playing it forward, <laughs> forward with Adam Wingfield. <laughs> and that, uh, and uh, that, I like it. I love it. I love it. It had that that love boat feel. 
<laughs> hey, man, you got, it's a Monday. You gotta, you got, you have to have calm. You gotta have that calm feel on a Monday. We were expecting you. Yeah, what's up? You have what? You have twenty <laughs> years. So uh, this is what Pierre sends me. He goes, he goes. I gotta introduce you to Adam. He's managing director of Innovative Logistics Group. Adam is an amazing entrepreneur and minority with over twenty years in trucking. Here's a few bullet points. But Adam, introduce yourself to us. What do you do over at Innovative Logistics Group? So, uh, so you know, number one, we're a trucking consulting firm. So one of our biggest things that we want to do is we want to create success stories within trucking. The failure rate is so high, which I'm sure you already know, that the failure rate is through the roof. So our goal is to help minimize that failure rate and put more people in success in trucking. Right? So what, what we do, and I've been in the business over 20 years, just as, as Pierre stated, you know, every, from every platform, from a driver to a fleet owner uh, to now owning a consulting firm to help other fleet owners become successful. Um, and then over that last 20 years, we've seen so many things happen over the last 20 years. But the one thing that we still see that remains constant is the fact people get in the business and they go out of the business very quickly. And we're trying to we're trying to reduce that. We're trying to remove that from, from the equation. Yeah. So, Adam, this is this is Mike Vincent. Pleasure having you on the show. I'm glad that uh, Pierre introduced us. Um, so as Dooner was saying, you know, we had this this show you would have been perfect on. And I'm glad you're on now. But so you're you're helping with the consulting, et cetera. But as somebody who's thinking about getting into this and coaching them, what are the main points that, that you give them to help them not be those that you said get into business and quickly go out of business? Number one is business acumen, right? So you get a lot of people that get into business that really don't have a lot of business experience and business background. And I kind of compare it to like this, man. You know, just the pizza hut makes pieces. But, but it takes more than just being able to make a pizza to run a pizza hut. So it's the same thing in trucking. And what we do is we start with the business side of them, teaching them profitability strategies, teaching them how to understand what their break-even points are, teach them how to be able to read their reporting and understand efficiency. And it will also help out from a compliance perspective by making sure, you know, in trucking, it's one of the easiest businesses to get into. Uh, but the most important thing is staying in business. So we teach them how to be compliant. You know, we teach them about the entry safety audits, how to run safe, how to run legal, how to run compliant. We also assist them with the, the human resource element of it, and that's helping find the drivers and help them understand what the, the, the recruiting looks like, what retention looks like. Uh, quite honestly, you know, when you think about trucking, a lot of people don't see it as a, even as an independent owner operator, even if you got, you know, two, three trucks, it's a business from A to Z. And you have to have so many different hats. You got to be a recruiter. You got to be an HR. You got to be the CFO. You got to be the CEO. You got to be a compliance director. So we teach people how to wear all of those hats and become successful. I have to make one quick correction, too. We were talking about Driver Appreciation Week, and uh, we were talking about Dave. It was actually Dart that did the ride-along, Michael Vincent. It was Dart that did the ride-along with Wayne, but Wayne is also doing the promotion with Pam on Driver Appreciation Week. Week so wires crossed a little bit. That uh, I apologize for that. So there's my little asterisk. There's a correction for all of you out there. So Adam, what's good in uh, what's good in business right now? What are the challenges that people are coming to are coming up to you with uh, this year? Really, the biggest challenges. The year started off rough. We understand at the beginning of the year things were kind of kind of hectic. You know, when the pandemic hit, you know, rates were okay. The rates spiked, and then all of a sudden they plummeted. It. So now they all you know all of a sudden they're coming back up again. So one of the things that we see, uh, honestly, is consistency and people understanding how to be able to weather the storm. So how to ride the wave when it's high and how to be successful when it's low. Uh, so that's one of the that's part of the biggest thing. And then also as we get through the pandemic, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, a lot of lenders are holding their wallets tight. So getting financing and getting people approved on trucks is a lot difficult. It's a lot more difficult now. You know, not open up their wallets to folks. So we're having to be very, very strategic in a lot of those coaches. Um, and that's probably honestly that's been one of the biggest struggles. And I wouldn't say it's uh, it's one of a, a major, major hurdle, 
but it has changed, you know, how we do business. Business is not as usual. And then, you, you know, you put on top of that, we got folks that want to go out, they want to test drive factors, they want to go out on the lots, and there's places that won't allow them to do it because of restrictions. So there's certain things that's kind of put some roadblocks in, in, in part of the process. So we've had to adapt. And we had to teach people to adapt. But I think the biggest thing is just understanding how to be consistent in business. You can have good days, you can have bad days. You can have a good week, you can have bad weeks. You got to understand that you got to have processes in place, right? Those processes within the house to be consistent. This business always goes up and down. So we teach people efficiency and processing and, 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 and from a strategy. From that standpoint, we believe that that's how you kind of help mitigate some of those things. Yeah, you know, Adam, I imagine at these times when rates are up and uh, historically up and there's no end in sight right now, you've got a lot of people that are willing to jump in and go for this because they see all these dollar signs, I guess, in, in their minds. Oh, yeah. Do you get people that are coming through that, that really want your services, et cetera, that you're thinking, eh, this is probably not right for you. Do you give that type of advice and kind of absolutely. maybe softly turn someone away and give them that type of advice? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that when I, understandably, you know, this business is not for everybody. You know, I mean, if I'm, even from that perspective, it's not. And we do give them a soft, you know, approach and give them some, you know, ideas and strategies to help get them prepared. It's almost like, you know, you go buy a house, right? And say you don't have good credit and your realtor doesn't say no. He's going to put you in the, on a plan. Okay, this is what you need to do. These are the steps you need to take. Come back and talk to me in four months. So we have the same approach. You know, we'll say, okay, you know, let's, let's work on this first. You know, like if you don't have the working capital available, if you don't have the great, you know, the, the credit score that we need to get you approved on some financing, if you don't have those things that will make it very, very difficult for you to get into the business, we put you on a plan and say, hey, you know what? These are the things that you need to do, you know, because we certainly want to work with everyone that, that we can, you know, honestly. Uh, so once you get that in place, you know, we say, hey, you know what? Let's, let's, let's talk again in the next couple of months or so. We're going to stay, stay in contact. We'll reach back out to do, a, you know, kind of a temperature check, a pulse check and see how things are going along. But understandably, um, honestly, this, this business isn't for everyone. And we do see from time to time instances where it's just never going to be a fit. Um, you know, because it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's just, it's just not for everybody, to be honest with you. I'll tell you something. You you know this industry well because you started behind the wheel, right? In October 2000, you started as a long-haul driver. This is Truck Driver Appreciation Week. What does Truck Driver Appreciation Week mean to you, and what would it have meant to you when you were behind that wheel? Because I'm sure you haven't lost that blood that's inside you, right? That that feel for the road. Well, do you think we're doing enough during a week like this? Can we do more? Uh, give me some insight on that, Adam. I think we can do a whole lot more. I'll be honest with you, because you remember, and I, I, I hate to keep reflecting back on it, but you remember when the pandemic hit and everybody was like, rah, rah, here's some pizza, and we're meeting truck drivers out in the parking lot, human pizzas, giving them water, you know, being, being, being as thankful. Yeah, this, this, this world would stop spinning if trucks stopped rolling, period. We've got to do a better job. And you think about this, right? The retention rate and, and turnover, uh, I, I'll say turnover, the turnover rate in trucking is almost 100%. Every driver you hire, you got to think about hiring another one. We have to get to the root cause of why does that happen? Why, why is that? Well, number one, I don't think appreciation is, 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 is ever high enough. You got to, when I was out there, I remember, I'll never forget an instructor told me, you need to, you need to be comfortable with living on the road and visiting home, right? So if you think about that, you think about the truck stops that are out there. You think about the conditions that some of these truck stops are. You think of some of these receivers and shippers. I think when it comes to appreciation, it's more. It's got to come from more than just the carrier. It's got to come from every single touch point within the supply chain to have our drivers understand that, you know what, without you, this product wouldn't move from A to B and the world would stop. And I don't believe that it's enough done, period. And I know the, the whole appreciation thing, 
I'm passionate about this, so excuse the, the elevation in my voice. No, I know that a lot the- of this has to do with the, <laughs> the carrier, but hey, what about these? What about these shippers? What about what about some of these these places that you go and you bump a dock and you go in there and the bathrooms are in horrid condition, or the the the, 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 the conversations that are taking place are horrible. So how do we fix that? So I think it's more systemic all the way around, and it's change that has to happen all the way around in this industry for that true appreciation to actually map. It's more than just buying a driver a lunch this week. It's more than that. A truck driver appreciates As a driver, it, it takes a lot more to, to feel appreciated because you live out there and you're taking such a sacrifice. You're sacrificing your normality because when I tell people this, being a truck driver, honestly, is not a job. It's a lifestyle. Mm. I have to make a lifestyle change for you to be able to have food on your table at the end of the day. It takes way more than a week to show appreciation. It takes way more than a carrier to show appreciation. We have got to get this industry better than that. I, hey, you know, hey, little little cowbell for that. I think that you you said it you said it really well, my man. I guess the other question I have before we let you go is: This is a year. There's been two major national conversations. It's been about COVID, and it's been about the, uh, the about race and diversity and those kind of things. In your opinion, from where you sit and how you see the industry, how do we drive those conversations and make the people that are in our industry, especially those that that feel underrepresented or underrecognized, how do we drive that diversity? right here, having this, this conversation right here, you know, and, and getting it out to more broad platforms, doing it more, you know, it stimulates those. And then a lot of these carriers, I think there needs to be a coalition that you that a lot of these carriers, they got to step back and they got to say, Hey, am I doing everything I can do to represent well? And I think diversity, it, it, number one, it can't just be a small conversation. It has to be an ongoing, ongoing conversation, ongoing post check. So we've got to get these companies comfortable with the fact that, you know what? there's an opportunity for us to do a lot better job in representing diversity and inclusion within this industry because this industry for so long has not been. So to your point, we have to continue the conversation. We have to not to bear back from the conversation and we have to get these companies on board. with looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, you know what? I need to hear what you guys got to say. Hey, you know what? Let's see what we can do to, to do it on our side as well. What do you think, Michael? Hey, man, I, I, I think it's an excellent response. I, I, I couldn't have worded it better. And I, I love the uh, inflection in your voice. Don't apologize for it. The passion is coming through. It's obvious there, Adam, and God bless you for that. So when we're talking about this, obviously, you have to have open communications and be willing and honest and quite, quite frankly, frank conversations from both sides going back and forth when you have uh your, your people that you're you're wanting to get into the into the industry etc that you're you're coaching and you're talking to do you have specific uh, uh type of expectations or 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 conversations uh around this type of issue absolutely. with those uh would-be minority owners absolutely absolutely very very much so and very just like you said very frank conversation you know, and setting really clear expectations of what they can expect to see from, from, from this industry as a whole. And then what we're attempting to do is we're attempting to, to make that voice become even louder and louder so we can see that change. But to your point, we absolutely have those conversations. We set real expectations. And, you know, hey, you know what? Like, we let the clients know, hey, this is not what it looks like right now. But change is coming. And one of the things that myself and Pierre, we, we, we talk a lot about it, is that we have to start now. Like, this is the most eye-opening experience that I've seen in the 20 years in this business, but it has to start right now. Mm. Yeah, hey, powerful words, Adam. We really appreciate your time today. People who want to learn more, they want to get guidance from you and your team. Where do they go after this show? 
www.innovativelogisticsgroupllc.com or just you know search us on Instagram or Facebook. We're Innovative Logistics Group LLC. Nice. Are you on TikTok as well? You're uh, Oracle, I think. Is it? I am not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am not. I'm, I'm, I'm as far. I'm as far away from TikTok as you probably can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Now that Oracle has a, a stake in it, maybe we could do some financial reports and stuff like that on there as well. It seems like the oddest partner on earth for, for TikTok, but uh, it's 2020. So what are you going to do? Adam, thank you again, man. We really appreciate it. Take it easy, brother. Uh, thank you so much for having me. You too. Thank you. Uh, and Nico Brown, he's in the comments. Nico is saying, does uh, does anyone do driver appreciation events surveys? The other drivers liked what uh, they did. I am not sure. I know Workhound does a ton of surveys. We've had Max on here before. I, I believe some of the these these carriers do do their own internal surveys, but uh, off the top of my head, I'm not entirely sure. Michael Vincent, would you have that information? I, I do not. Uh, other than you, I would suspect that the, the better ones do. Uh, yeah. But I have not seen anything specifically. But I, I would have. I would imagine they do. And and we did in my former life. We did. We we absolutely talked with our drivers to see what they wanted to do. And uh, uh, it actually grew into a driver appreciation uh, cookout that we did every month um, with, with the drivers. So <laughs> uh, I'm sure the better ones do. Michael, when I asked that on uh, when I asked that on Twitter to to trucking Twitter, I said, "What what what is tr- what does driver appreciation week mean to you?" And a lot of them were a little snarky, and they're like, "Yeah, it means uh, I'm getting a hamburger." burger and a and a and a cookout yeah. and they're gonna ask me yeah. if well, i we, can we would we would have a we would have a cookout and and the executives would go out there and detail their truck form while they had their while they had their their barbecue lunch oh hey alex alex burton's in the comments too and he just says adam and Rhonda says great points adam awesome stuff guys let's we got a big event coming up let's get you to a, a little a little preview boom What's coming up? Yeah, baby, this one's called Global Trade Tech is presented by American Shipper. Happening September 16th and 17th. That's right. That's Wednesday and Thursday of this week. Go to live.freightwaves.com. You can register for free. Join that Slack channel. Hang out with us. The event will feature quick fire demos of the latest technology, inspiring keynote presentations from industry business leaders and a smorgasbord of influencers. It's going to be wild. We're going to be doing all sorts of stuff up there. One of the speakers, Gene Soroka from Port of LA, talking about the challenges that they face. Michael Vincent, we have a lot of different sessions starting out, not including the ones that we are doing. Uh, What's one or two that's got you wild? Yeah. So the ones that I've been looking at really are leadership and logistics in the next normal uh, with Michelle Halkerton and uh, Heather Sheehan. Uh, I'm really interested in the, in that one there because leadership is such a pivotal uh, thing. It's it's kind of it's kind of out there. People know it when they see it. Uh, we had one of the greatest uh, leaders, in my opinion, of our time right now in the industry with uh, with Shelly Simpson on last week, and I'm really looking forward to hear what they have to say about about that specific one. But also. Um, Moving into technology more, the global logistics uh, session on how are technology startups disrupting global freight and how can the giants fight back mm. with Benjamin Gordon and Essa Alasala. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think that's a, a great one because that it, it always interests me to hear different people's perspectives, not only the technology and how it's going, but this concept of you're going to be disrupted. How do you fight back? And we've seen some tremendous leaders, one of them, Eric Fuller at, 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 at U.S. Express, take some really good uh, – uh, pivots and 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 not really fight back, but adopt that and produce their own. Right. So it's a two sided coin. You don't have to be disrupted. Are you going to be disrupted? Are you a disruptor? It's not a 50 50 split, if you will. 
Yeah, no, I, you know what I'm excited for? I'm excited for, so Brandon Freed, right? He is uh, from the Air Forders Association. Actually, the last live event that we were at was that Air Forders Cargo Conference. Last time the Freight Waves team was really at an event. I know that you went to one near the end of March, but this was the last big one we were at as a team. We were interviewing. We did What the Trucks from there. Uh, there were some keynotes going on, but he's doing air cargo in the airline industry amid the pandemic. No other industry, uh, you know, in freight has really been hit as hard as the airlines. They're still struggling. We keep hearing the projections that are coming out of the airlines about how this uh, this isn't something that's going to get resolved with a, a vaccine just yet. There's a lot of There's a lot of money that they're just burning through, hundreds of millions of dollars every month uh you know just putting cargo on the planes isn't really cutting it you still got to get people back up in the air that's the way that their industry's done and uh you know one thing that we we always say around here is the airline the airlines do an amazing job of marketing to passengers and those kind of things but they don't do a great job of selling their logistics services they tend to rely on other brokerage arms to do this and maybe they'll see the uh the strength in in cargo supply chains. It'll be really interesting to see what Brandon has to say about that, especially as we embark on the uh, what may be or, or likely will be the largest uh, supply chain project in human history with this COVID nineteen vaccine, and whether that comes at the end of October or not, which you know I'm a little suspect on, but whether it does or not, we'll have to hear about that one. Uh, you, you excited for him? Yeah. I, I certainly am because that that industry really intrigues me and in what is going on there and what has it has caused the steps back and the moves forward, et cetera in that industry because of COVID-19 really interest me uh, as how that capacity comes back. And we saw some some updates today from Rickenbacker Airport up there in Columbus, Ohio, welcoming a new carrier who had taken out seats and, and, and moving cargo that way. And I agree with you. It'll be interesting. And I wonder what he'll have to say about, like you said, the greatest airlift really coming forward, uh, uh, certainly in our times with the, the vaccine coming out and what those challenges are going to be and how that's going to be solved. Yeah, another great one is going to be propelling global supply chains into the future with open networks. It's that that, that collaborative uh, relationships, bringing data together, bringing sources together. And you're going to hear from two amazing people doing it. It's Jet McCandless from Project 44 mm, and Paige nice. Cox for S, from SMP. Those two weren't uh, pouring driveways in Hawaii. Those two have awesome. <laughs> those two are very qualified to talk on the uh, on the subject, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know Jet's full uh, uh, background nor pages. They may have poor driveways in their past, but yeah, I, I get that was <laughs> that was good. But yeah, that one's going to be very very good because the open networks and the idea of collaboration uh, between those and, and open uh, transparency of data and and really stripping away those those ideas of risk and you know holding tight to that data are essential uh, in the global supply chains as we move forward. And that's something uh, another show I'm, I'm going to shamelessly say that I'm looking forward to is freight forecasting on the second day at two o'clock. Mm. I'll have uh, Jeff D'Angelo from Turvo and that's the exact subject we'll be talking about in in part is this open collaboration and real-time transparency of data uh, between different providers and, and how essential that is to an efficient or future-proof type of uh, supply chain. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Hey, we had Yoav from XBO on today, but stand back. Uh, this one's blowing through. Helping customers adapt to COVID-driven changes in the marketplace with Mario Harrick from XBO Logistics talking to our own president, George Abernathy. And uh, George Abernathy always does an amazing job with his interviews. In fact, if you missed it, look on the FreightCast feed or look on FreightWaves.com for Supply Chain Spotlight. His Supply Chain Spotlight from last week was a, was a template of... Uh, of the awesomeness that that show can be. I don't know if you listen to that one, but uh, a great storytelling out of Rob on that particular episode. 
Well, you've got, I mean, yeah, that was a great episode because you really got two great storytellers. I mean, George Abernathy is from the Northeast, from the great state of Massachusetts, but yeah. he can sit down like a good Southerman and, uh, Southerner and, and spin a good yarn. Yeah. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, too, because the changes in the marketplace from how to help those customers and what the customers are going through to adapt to these different changes uh, in supply chain expectations and turn cycles, et cetera, is uh, there's a lot involved there, as we learned just in the last couple of weeks. Even booking a container has gone from one to two weeks to six to seven weeks out just to get the container to stuff it. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting one and insightful. And as you said, with George, mm. it's always a good listen. Yeah, always fire, listen. firecrackers. He fishes with dynamite when he's doing his interviews, and I, I like seeing right. it. Put that coffee down. We're going to be talking about selling visibility with Robin Jacks. That's going to be great, myself and Kevin Hill. But you and I, we also, you know, we we have the honor of basically emceeing these things. We do the play-by-play desk, but we're also doing a couple What the Trucks. And I am I am so excited to have Angie Slaughter from Anheuser-Busch coming back on. She, uh, she works oh, on their wow. sustainability of their global supply chain. And when you hear about... I mean, one of the most interesting things she said to us when we were interviewing her last time is that, you know, you think of them as a beer company, um, but she was like, you know what? We're like an agricultural and transportation company <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, they're absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with Angela, a- Angie Slaughter. And who else are we going to have out there? There's some other oh, interesting man. people that are going to be on there yeah. as well. We got Mr. Supply Chain is mm-hmm. going to be on there. Daniel Stanton, always oh, a good talk. He will be there. You know who else is going to be there? Dr. Noel from the Port of Long Beach. We're going to get some insight into the ports, what the truck style. We get guests from Bloom Global, Trans Transflow, Triumph Pay, Ryder, and many, many more. It all starts at 9 a.m. I think you and I actually have the honor of kicking it off on Wednesday. Go to live.freightwaves.com for details. I think you may be able to already join that Slack channel. Start networking right away. Throw your LinkedIn link in that linked up feed. And if you know the live desk, we uh, just like if you know our live shows we do here, we love to incorporate the audience. For my LinkedIn fam, we monitor the Slack a little bit more than LinkedIn during the live event. So I highly, highly uh, implore you to join that Slack channel to get the highest level of interaction possible. And as always, you know, we always like to answer the questions and bring you into the conversation live.freightwaves.com. All right, little big deal, little deal before we uh, get out of here. Big right deal. She's not here. She's not getting her part of the song. She's no, she's busy oh. working. She's busy working on the events. It's me and you, man. And it's uh, right. it's National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Big deal, little deal. I was going to ask you this, but you know what? We actually got a really awesome answer on Freightwaves Radio yeah. on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Saturdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It's channel 146. But here we go. Should we go to Ingrid's response? She dialed into us and she told us what, what it meant to her. I, I think we absolutely should. All right, let's bring it up. We do have a she can iterate it much better than we can. We do have a driver calling in who wants to tell us how she feels we could make a Driver Appreciation Week a, a better, or maybe it's doing enough. It's our good friend Ingrid Brown, who is recently on our What the Truck uh-huh. episode, Women Moving America. <laughs> Ingrid, we love you. Thanks for calling us. So, Ingrid, it's, it's, a, it's Driver yeah. Appreciation Week. We, we want to hear from some drivers calling in, say, uh, you know, do, do you think the industry's doing enough? Do you like the Driver Appreciation Week? Are the giveaways good? I, I've, on Twitter, I heard some different commentary. Some are, yeah, it's nice. And some said, you know what, I'd rather have some of the fundamentals of the industry dealt with. How do you feel about Driver Appreciation Week? 
Well, I think we could go different ways with that, especially with what you just said. I think Driver Appreciation Week is exactly what the words say. It's to be appreciative. It's appreciating drivers and for drivers to be appreciative. Um, And, you know, fundamentals can be thrown in there, but at the same time, that's not really part of what this humbling time is. Um, You know, everybody has done such a jam up amazing job over the last eight months. I mean, it's just, you've never seen the industry literally come together and supply what they have in the situations we've been in with the pandemics, with the riots and, and protesters and everything like that. And I think that, that we've been told many, many times over the last few months that we're appreciated. And I don't think that needs to stop. I think that needs to continue after this time period of the nine months. I think it needs to continue after this week. Um, especially, you know, it, everybody has a day, it seems. We have a week. We've got a truck driver appreciation week. And, you know, it's time that, that we tell each other as drivers we appreciate each other. It's time that we tell people who make this industry because the industry can't move. Truck drivers can't drive without everybody included in it. Did it sound as good the second time, Michael? It, it really does. And I'm glad you, you replayed that because some of the things that she said, it's a two-way street to be appreciative of drivers and for drivers to be appreciative. She uses the word humbling time right now uh, and and really sings the praises of, of how the drivers in the front line stepped up during the COVID. I, I think it's a brilliant response. Yeah, I have to agree. It absolutely stands up. So, Dooner, um, yeah, hey, God bless the drivers. Great. Have a great week this Uh week. And and we truly do appreciate it. But I got to ask you a question. (laughs) When you were a kid, did you sit on your dad's lap and drive the car around the block? I I did. I did. And my dad posted it on TikTok and he got a 1.1 million um, totally not fake (laughs) likes on it. Totally fake views. No. Yeah, did, it, did you ever did you ever drive a big rig down uh, you know through through Boston through the streets of Boston around there because Dooner <laughs> CDL Life reports that the authorities have arrested a man who filmed a young boy, uh, much like yourself, Dooner, mm-hmm. driving a semi truck down the road. Yeah. Uh, so a, a seventy mile an hour road or seventy I think kilometers. Uh, so yeah, about fifty miles an hour or something like that. Uh, but uh, Big deal or little deal, man. It's like an eight-second video, and he was in the uh, passenger seat filming this kid driving a big rig down the road. Yeah, I mean, look, you got to stop doing it for the gram. You got to stop doing it for the likes, everybody. You know, when your kids are involved, don't use your kids for clout. What are you doing out there? This is really dangerous. It's really dangerous. If you get an accident, what are you doing for the other drivers out there? What Ingrid Brown said is we're all in this together in the supply chain. And, uh, you know, one of the problems with society is I think sometimes we forget that we're interconnected, you know? And that not everybody yeah. is extreme and is against each other, but we do have to look out and care for one another. And you got to look out for your kids and you got to look out for other drivers on the road. Maybe you want a cute video. Maybe you want a cute pic. It is not worth it. Don't do it. Yeah, it's, it certainly is not, is not worth it. Right, I got to go quick. Uh, we got, we got, I had a great time driving my dad's car when I was a kid though, but I never got behind a, a big rig when I was a kid. We got a couple seconds left here. Pfizer CEO says drug company will know if the COVID-19 vaccine works before the end of October. Big deal, little deal. I think it's a huge deal, and I think that the more that they can test this and the more that they can convince the public that that these vaccines are actually safe and effective, the better compliance and the better participation we're going to have with these vaccines and the faster we're going to recover from this type of stuff. It's absolutely a huge deal, uh, uh, not just Pfizer, but all those that are working on it. Uh, hopefully, th- this does come to fruition in October. We have a vaccine that works, and we can get it out to everybody. Yeah. I mean, I, my only thing is I just it's probably going to be a big show. 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> hopefully everything works out. It's going to be challenging. We're going to get those <laughs> answers, though, at Global Trade Tech. How that is all going to work, we'll find out live.freightwaves.com. You can follow me on the Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Or keep the conversation going on LinkedIn. You can have you can find him on Twitter, at Vincent the Dude. That's Michael Vincent. Look this show up on your favorite podcast player, What the Truck, or get every single Freight Waves podcast by looking up Freightcast on that feed. And on that feed, you will find every one of these events. They'll be chopped up. They'll be uploaded there, too. Again, every single Freight Waves podcast. There's like 14 shows now. What are you going to do? Michael Vincent, what are you going to do with the rest of your day? <laughs> I'm going to get ready for the live event, my friend. I'm super excited. Live desk with Dooner. Peace and love, drivers. Peace and love, everybody. 